Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we are going to go to the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission of Jesus Christ. I'll be starting in Matthew 28 and verse 16. And the purpose for this series of teachings, Disciples Making Disciples, is to give you an outline of what our mission and our vision is as a church. So if you're new to our church, it's a great time to come because I'm going to tell you kind of what we're all about. And if you've been coming, I'm almost reminding you and even clarifying what we're all about so we can all be on the same page. Now, Cross Point Church, God has us at a critical, great threshold of our ministry in our life. I believe that we are on the threshold of something fantastic. We are on the threshold of fruitfulness in our own lives and in our ministry. It's just a really exciting time to be a part of Cross Point. I got to tell you, I said this last week, I'll say it again. I am so happy to be a pastor here. I am so thrilled to be here. It's just a great church. And here's what we got going for us. We're about, we average about 130 souls every week, which is really great. Uh, I see that we're growing a little bit. We ran out of bulletins, <laughs> right? So, but we're going to stay humble. And we're about 130. We've got no debt. We've got six acres of land. We've got two buildings. We can go and do whatever we want to do. There is nothing, no chain, no bondage stopping us from doing all that God has for us. And so as we move forward, this series is about, hey, let's move forward like this, all right? Now, here's one thing I've got to say to you, and this has been on my heart, and I want to share this to you. There are different churches for different people, amen? We are not the only great church in town. There are many churches that love Jesus, open up the Bible, preach good teaching, Right, And I want you to know that we want people to go where God is calling them. And it very well could be that you hear this series of sermons and you go, man, love this church, really nice, but there's another church for us. And I want you to know, I want you to find God's church for you. I want to, in fact, what we're going to start doing, we're going to start having these newcomers bags, which are really sweet. And, uh, and there's going to be like a coffee mug in there and like a pen and then like a pamphlet. But one of the things we're going to start providing people is a list of really good churches to choose from in case a new person decides, hey, I don't want to go here. I want you to be in a church. Can I get an amen? And if it's not here, I want you to be in a church somewhere else. Here's why. Jesus said, I gave my life for the church. I am building my church. And you cannot say you love Jesus if you don't love the church. And you cannot grow in your transformation or your discipleship unless you're a part of a great church. And there are many great churches. So this is not the only church. I met some pastors. I did a pastor appreciation. I got invited to this great breakfast for pastor appreciation. It was really wonderful. And I met these other pastors. And what I realized is there are other great pastors Right, and some of these some of these pastors seem like they're even better than me. They're taller, they're better looking, right? And so there's other churches too. So we love our Presbyterian brothers. We love our uh, our method. I got saved in a Methodist church. My pastor used to wear a robe and fly around in a Methodist church. That's where I came to Christ. And we got rock and roll churches out there that love Jesus. Uh, where they play super-duper loud music, and we got all kinds of good churches out there. So I'm praying for you. But as we look at Crosspoint, what are we about? And listen, a great church, no matter what style, no matter what kind, I really believe 
that a great church has a great commitment to the great commission of Jesus Christ. And when we come to Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, we get Jesus's marching orders for the church. And we are, we are seeking, we are suffering to apply this great commission to our church and our identity here at Cross Point Church. We love Jesus and he's the great visionary and shepherd uh, of our church. And so we're looking to his words to guide us. And so let me read this so good. Matthew 28, verse 16. I can't think of a better close to a book in the Bible than this one. And listen carefully as we read it. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see there in verse 19, the operative phrase is, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Last week, we saw Jesus at the beginning of his ministry get Peter, and he sovereignly led fish into the nets and showed Peter in that boat that he was the Lord. And Peter fell down, and Jesus said to Peter, hey, don't worry about it. Follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. That was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Here he is at the end, right before his ascension, and he says to Peter and the boys, he says, here's the deal, boys. I want you to go and make disciples. At the end of the day, what is a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is somebody who makes disciples for Jesus. That's clearly what's being said. Now, here's what God really put on my heart, and I'm going to get to the body of my sermon here in a minute. Be patient. But I really felt like that the Holy Spirit put something on my heart that I want to share with you right now based on this text, okay? And here's what I want to share with you. Cross Point Church is a non-denominational church, okay? We're not a denomination. We're a Bible-believing church. We've been around for approximately about 13 years. And what you need to know is that the way Cross Point started is Cross Point started as a church split. In other words, a group of people split away from a church so it was kind of a, a, a schism, a division, and they planted Cross Point Church. And then that group found a church that was meeting in this very building that was, that was kind of uh, dying. There wasn't very many people left. And they didn't know what to do. And those two groups came together and began to do church together. It was probably a few years of a little bit of friction between those two groups, but they made it, praise God, to the glory of God. And here we are today. And Crosspoint, from that time till now, has been a place where people have come primarily, not everybody, but a lot of people have come, and this is the second choice of their church in their life. In other words, what God has done is brought a lot of people who have been hurt by another church or by other leaders, or maybe they've hurt another church. But what God has kind of done is brought people here, all of us, including myself, Sherry and I as well, a little bit of healing that we needed. And, and what's happened is he's brought us together, and we're all kind of uh, uh, in need of a little bit of healing from some past church experiences. Now, that might not be you, and that might not be relevant to you. I did that backwards. Did you see that? I went boom, boom, without looking. I was nervous all the way. 
talent. Okay, anyways. And what I want you to know is this. That's great. I want us to heal up if we need healing. I want us to get what we need from God to be healed from any past experience. But what I need you to know, and I need everybody to know, no matter what's happened to us in the church, it does not change the mission that Jesus has given to the church. Jesus is not going to change this chapter of the Bible just because we got hurt by somebody. Jesus is not going to change his mission just because, you know, religion messed us up. Jesus is not going to change this chapter because we're not in the mood anymore to be a part of the corporate body of Jesus Christ. He's not going to change this mission. In fact, it becomes even more imperative. And what I get from this this passage on the Great Commission is I get three sources of healing for you if you need it. Medicinal help to move forward with the mission that Jesus has given to you to make disciples. To move beyond any hurt that you've gone through with the church or with leadership or whatever it might be or in your life even. We could broaden, we could say, even in life, maybe a relationship, maybe divorce recovery, maybe a broken family, maybe abuse in your past. These three things from this passage can help you as you move forward with what God has called you to do in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. So listen carefully. The first help and medicinal help that we get from this passage as we seek healing in our lives is that we need to admit that human beings are broken in the church and out of the church. All of humanity is broken. Religious, irreligious, pastors, parishioners, members, no one comes into the church complete. No pastor stands up on a platform complete. No parishioner has arrived up on the holy mountain of perfection and said, here I stand. Come follow me because I got it all together. We are all broken. Look at verse 16. Watch this. Now, the 11 disciples. What? How many disciples were there? How many disciples should there be? I remember 12. Why are there only 11 and not 12 disciples? Because of Judas. And what did Judas do? Judas betrayed Jesus, led the guards to Jesus. And as a result of Judas and his betrayal of Jesus, Jesus was crucified and murdered by the Roman soldiers as well as the religious leaders, and what, for 30 shekels of whatever, for money. And then we learn from Acts chapter 1 that Judas felt so overwhelmed with guilt that he ended up hanging himself and committing suicide. That is a scandal, is it not? That is a broken church up on that mountain in Matthew 28. Somebody should be there that is not there. And what's interesting is Jesus does not say, you know, I was going to give you guys this great mission, but since you're so messed up and since Judas, Peter, why didn't you say something to Judas, man? What's up, dude? 
Hey, Thomas, why didn't, you, why didn't you hold Judas accountable? Why didn't you forbid him from doing it? You know, I was going to give you this great thing to do, but because you're so messed up, I guess we're not going to do the mission anymore. I'll see you guys later and just beam up like, you know, got beamed up by Scotty into heaven and it's done. He doesn't do that. He says, go and make disciples. Not only is it 11, but look at this. It says in verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And hasn't that been the church from that day to now? Have we ever come to church together and, oh, I perfectly believe today. Like, man, when Marshall is singing those songs, I'm all in, baby. You know what? The truth is, is that there's a part of us that is broken, and including my, my shoestring. My, my shoe is I need to tie. See, this is what I'm talking about. We're broken. And there we go. Here's the point. I really believe, (laughs) I really believe that sometimes we go into a religious context and we think, you know, as soon as we go in there, everybody's going to act like an adult because we're at church. Everybody's going to be perfect and spiritual. And you know what the truth is? We're the same people in the church that we are out the church. Nothing magically happens when we enter this sanctuary. In fact, the reason why we come to church is not because we're complete, because we're broken and we're weak. We come to church because we want to say to God over and over again, I have empty hands and only you can fill these empty hands. I have brokenness and only you can bring healing. So we're not all waiting around until we're good enough to go to church. We're going to church because we're not good enough because we need help. I remember the Apostle Paul in, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talked about that thorn in his flesh. Remember that thorn he talked about in his flesh? He's like, I got this thorn in my flesh. And I keep praying to God because it's making me weak. And he prayed three times, Lord Jesus, take the thorn away. Lord Jesus, take the thorn away. Lord Jesus, take the thorn away because it's making me weak for my ministry. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I'm not going to take that thorn out of your flesh because my grace is perfected in your weakness and Paul says when I'm weak then I'm strong when I realize that I'm broken that's when I become whole when I realize I need to surrender that's when I begin to stand Jesus said deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me die to yourself do you remember John the Baptist remember John the Baptist Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man to ever be born of a woman that's John the Baptist And you know what he said? All his disciples came to him and said, you're so cool. You're so spiritual. You got like this whole desert spirituality thing going with your wild beard and your wild hair. And you're eating funny honey and all that stuff. Remember that, John the Baptist? And he's this funky dude, right? And everybody's like, you're the greatest. And he said this, I'm not the greatest. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. I am not the Messiah. I am not the Savior. I'm not going to fix all of your problems, and you're not going to fix all of mine. There's only one that we go to that makes us complete, and that is Jesus Christ. Let us stay humble. Some of you, you're living defeated lives in sin, and you're you're trapped in bondage. And the reason why is not because you're not strong enough. It's because you've forgotten that you're not strong. You've forgotten how needy and, and impoverished spiritually you are to God. We are all beggars just trying to show other beggars where to get a cup of cold water. Amen? Nobody here gets to wear the white hat and somebody else is the black hat. 
The vision of Cross Point Church is we come together broken, weak, seeking the authority and the strength of Jesus Christ. That will bring healing to your life. That will move you beyond. Because I bet you the reason why we get skeptical and cynical about the church, and we get skeptical and cynical about church leadership or or corporate church or modern church, the reason why we get skeptical and cynical is because we actually believe that there really are some people who are more anointed than other people. We actually believe that somebody should be on a pedestal that's not Jesus. That's when we get disillusioned, man. Healing comes in admitting that we are broken and sinful, and that's why Jesus came. Here's the second source of healing for us as we move forward in the great commission of Jesus. Not only should we admit human weakness, but we need to acknowledge the sovereignty of Jesus over all things. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all, everybody say all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Man, that's not hyperbole. That's not a preacher losing control and beginning to overemphasize in the moment of the sermon what's going on. Like, he is talking about real reality. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I don't have a slide for it. Don't turn there. But listen to this. Jesus said in in John chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. That the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all. Everybody say all. All flesh. To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Jesus has authority. He is sovereign. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, healing comes when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's not the elders perfection that we look to it's not church members it's not the church it's Jesus he we fix our eyes on him he's the author and perfecter of our faith and as I fix my eyes on him man I endure I persevere I make it through I keep going I keep moving forward in God's mission all authority that's why Jesus didn't say you know why don't you guys have it together why are you doubting why you worship why aren't there 12 of you Why isn't every one of these seats filled up? I am not going to let you move forward until you fill this seat. I am not going to let you move forward until you get enough authority and enough power in your life. No, no, no. He doesn't say that. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, 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 based on that, go and make disciples. I'm with you to the end of the age. I'll be right there with you every moment of the way. In all of your moments of weakness... I will be with you. I was, somebody uh, this last week suggested I, re- I listen to a sermon, which is really a blessing. You know, we preachers need preachers in our lives, amen? I need a pastor in my life to preach to me. And so I invite you, you all can send me a bunch of sermons. You can just text me sermons and you'll be like, I know one you need. <laughs> Heard this one. Jeez. Anyways, but I, it just so happened, so I decided to click on it because I needed to be fed and get my, my bucket filled with good sermon, Bible sermon, and it just so happened by sweet providence and not on purpose at all, either by the person sending or myself, just so happened the sermon sent to me was on the Great Commission, which I thought was really holy stress, like really cool. 
So I was like, man, I really need to listen now, because then I can plagiarize, and then I don't have to work on my sermon, you know? <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, I don't plagiarize. Don't, don't send me a sermon about the sin of plagiarism. <laughs> you know, I, but the sermon was by a guy by the name of John Piper, and he talked about the sovereignty of Jesus in the Great Commission. And he gave in this sermon 10 glimpses into the sovereign authority of Jesus Christ. I want to give you these 10 points really super duper fast, like high speed, okay? But 10 glimpses into the sovereign authority of Jesus that the Bible, and he has Bible references and all kinds, I don't have time to do all that. But 10 glimpses into the sovereign authority of Jesus Christ. Number one, he is the creator of all things. We talked about that last week, Colossians 1, right? Number two, he is the sustainer of all things. We talked about that, Colossians chapter 1. Number three, he is the governor of the universe. So not only is he sustaining it, he's guiding all the things that are going on in the universe. Number four, he is the sovereign authority over all of history. Nothing happens with the nations. He is king of kings and lord of lords, Revelation reveals. Nothing happens without his sovereign permission. His hands are Proverbs 21 verse 1 where it says, The hands of the, the, the hearts of the kings are waters guided by the hand of God. That's Jesus. Number five, he is sovereign and has authority over all disease or sickness. We, we saw that in, in the Gospels. Anytime Jesus, remember the lepers would show up? They'd show up in a room. I love the leper stories because the lepers would like show up. And the, lepers are just nasty. You don't want to touch lepers because if you touch lepers, you get leprosy. So anytime a leper walks in a room, everybody's like, gone. Like, whoosh, ruins the whole party. And Jesus, it's really cool how the Gospel, because it's like slow motion. It says, and Jesus reached out his hand to touch the leper. And the reason why it says that is because Jesus gives sickness the contagious power of healing as opposed to the other way around. Because Jesus has authority over all disease. Powerful. Jesus, number six, glimpse into the sovereign authority of Jesus, of Jesus, plagiarized from John Piper's sermon. Number six. Jesus has sovereign authority over sin, over the sinful acts of humanity. If you read Job chapter 1 and 2, you see that God allows Satan to attack Job, give him sickness, ruin his life. God allows Satan to do what he had to do. Satan had to get the authority to allow that to happen. If you read Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28, it says that God predestined that Herod and Pontius Pilate would crucify and murder the Son of God. That means that God is sovereign and Jesus is God over the sinful acts of humanity. Number seven, Jesus is sovereign and has authority over the conversion of human beings. When we are awakened and regenerated, we are made alive in Christ Jesus. First Peter, man, oh, see, passages are coming to my head right now. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, He made, he caused us to be born again to a living hope. That's Jesus. 
conversion. Number eight. Oh, I like this one. Jesus is sovereign and has authority over death. Death could not hold him. Can I get a hallelujah? He was in that tomb dead, stone cold dead body, Jesus. And death could not hold him. The Holy Spirit of power awakened that body and there Jesus had authority over death and he showed up on the third day alive so that you and I could have spiritual new life and ultimately physical new life, which means in heaven, in, in glory, when I'm, when I'm resurrected to my new glorified body, I will finally be six foot three. Jesus has authority over death. Number nine, Jesus has authority over mission, mission of the church. He said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You see, no matter how disillusioned, even if you had the most messed up church experience in your life, even, even if you've been totally, totally uh, uh, let down by the idea of the modern church, don't worry, Jesus is still building his church, and he still wants to use you. He still wants to use you because he's sovereign over the mission. Here's the final thing, number 10. Jesus has sovereign authority over Satan and his demons and his powers. Again, Joe chapter 1. You say, What's, why is that so important? Because, listen, we often get disillusioned in life and relationships because we think of ourselves more than we should and we think less of Jesus then we should. What we need to do is decrease in our own value of ourselves, increase how we see Jesus, say, he's more than I thought. He's, he's more than I dared, hoped, or imagined. He is far above all rule and authority. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and therefore, I can safely give my life to him and his church, even if the church is imperfect. He is not all authority. Admit human weakness, acknowledge Jesus' sovereignty. Here's the third thing for healing and help if you need it. Accept Jesus' mission. And some of you, you're just not accepting it. You're just, you're just, you're just, you're just not going to do it. Your life is so like privatized and on your own. You've, just, you've gotten so used to being the Lord over your own life. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Don't stay. Don't sit. Don't sit out of the game. Don't get on the sidelines. Don't be AWOL. Time for you to let go of this casual Christianity thing. Time to let go of this casual idea about God. No, no, no. It's time for you to get on the front lines because I, in authority and in my sovereignty and in helping you in your weakness, I am asking you, go. Crosspoint Church, at the end of the day, we are not defining ourselves in greatness by our seating capacity. We are defining ourselves by our sending capacity. Can we equip you to receive God's grace? Get involved, be committed, and get equipped to go and make disciples. You're like, okay, I'm healed. I'm healed. That is awesome. I've, I've received so much and just being able to admit, yes, I am broken. Yes, Jesus is sovereign. Yes, he has called me to his mission. I'm ready. How is Crosspoint going to help me? What does Crosspoint do? 
that, that helps me, that I can focus on, so I can be a disciple that makes disciples, so that I can get on this mission for my life. And that's where we use our cheat sheet here at the back of your bulletin. We have three priorities for all of our members. I'm not going to get through them as originally planned. I'll get through the first one, and then we'll try to wrap it up next week. But the first priority If you're ready to be healed and move on now and hear Jesus getting you back on the Great Commission and a great church that has a great commitment to the Great Commission, number one, how do you do that? You just need to worship God together. How do we become disciples who make disciples? We need to corporately, publicly make this, what we're doing right now, the ultimate priority and not underestimate the power of God's people assembling together and worshiping him. Old Testament and New Testament, what happened is God would call his people together at a mountain. He would call his people to come together and to worship him. In fact, the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means an assembly. And it was used in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament Septuagint, it was used as a word to describe the assembly of God's people for worship and honoring and being filled by God. See, at the end of the day, the ultimate thing Jesus is asking us to do is to be filled up with him, to worship God together. Now, we say, how do you worship God at Cross Point Church? Glad you asked. There we have the four things. You see them? Number one, we want our worship to be God-centered. We want you to be God-centered. I want to be God-centered. You know, one of the things that, that, that we're tempted to do as human beings all the time is to define our religion after our own image and our own likeness as opposed to define our worship after the image and the likeness of God. What we are constantly tempted to do with our churches and our ministries, I'm tempted to do this in my sermons. Every week I'm tempted to do this. You can pray for me that the Holy Spirit won't let me do this, but I'm tempted to make the sermon and the song about you. And how much of American religion is doing that? It's a consumer religion. It's a, it's a come here and you're going to fix all your problems and you're going to be able to walk out and everything's going to be fixed. Worship is about God and my power and my life and the trajectory of all my relationships comes down to God. Again, not to quote him too much, but John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And our satisfaction comes in God, and our satisfaction in God glorifies him. As we come together, we're saying, God, I want to be satisfied in you. I want to be content in you. I want, I want to be so filled up with you that I'm no longer tempted by the false idols of money and power and sex that the world is trying to teach me. I'm replacing all of those things with the greatness of you. We want to worship God together. We want our our worship to be God-centered. Here's the second thing. We want our worship to be word-driven. What we want to do is take this book and we want to open it up and we want to feed each other on the bread of life. And we don't want to just like, like glibly like throw Bible verses out there according to the topics that we decide on. We want the Bible to drive the agenda of our topics. 
We want to go through it paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter. We do what's called expository preaching most weeks, which is where we take a, a passage and we go through it verse by verse, and we see what the text is. Expository preaching means expose the text and then connect it and connect the riches of the text to our life. That's word-driven. That's what we are, man. We're, we're going to feed you. And if you're just learning the Bible, we want to make it understandable for you so that the way we teach it, you're going to learn the Bible if you're new to the Bible. If you've, if you've heard more good sermons in your life, yet you can still come to Crosspoint and know you're going to be well-fed on the Word of God. Amen? Where I come from, you know, there's those restaurants. How many of y'all know one of those restaurants, like a hole-in-the-wall restaurant? It's like nappy place, you know, and, and you, but you go there, and, and you go there. I, I thought of, when I was doing this in the first service, the place that came to my mind, no offense to them at all, but I thought about the burger barge. You, you know what I mean? By the river. Have you ever been to that place down by the river? And you walk in there, and you're scared. <laughs> the first time I went there, in fact, the first time I went there was with you guys. They took me, because I was the... Yes, yes, thank you. I was brand new. Sherry and I were brand new uh, pastors here in central Illinois. And Brad and Casey were like, we're going to take you to a hockey game. But before we go to the hockey game, we're going to go to this place called the Burger Barge. And Sherry and I walked into the Burger Barge. And we were like, what? And I was like, okay, I'm not going to look at anything except for the floor. And I looked down at the floor and I went, oh, my gosh. I can't look down at the floor. And then I was like, I look up at the ceiling. Right, And it was a hole-in-the-wall place. But you know what they had? Really great burgers. Really great burgers. And as you ate that food, you were like, you forgot about the hole-in-the-wall. Now, I give praise that Crosspoint is cleaner. I mean, this is a nice place. But this is not the nicest place in the world. First time I ever walked in this building, I was like, what is this place? A little building? And you're just kind of like, what do they do here? Are there snakes up front? You know, what's going on? Listen, we might not have the nicest clothes and the nicest building and the fanciest stuff, but one thing we do have, we got good food. Can I get an amen? We got bread for eating. And you know what? If you come here long enough, and I hope you're, listen, get in this word. This is, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Get in it every day. But you're probably like me. There's some weeks when you just can't make it or you don't or you're just the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. But no matter what week you have, if you show up on Sunday morning, you will get Bible. And you will get the word. You'll learn the word. We're God-centered, word-driven. Here's the third thing. We want our worship to be gospel-saturated. We believe the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, is ultimately driving us to a gospel-saturated life. And what is the gospel? The good news is that Jesus is God who came down, who fulfilled the law of God in our place, who died and took our penalty in our place so that if we believe in him, we will have everlasting life. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4 said Jesus was died, he was buried, he rose again. And Paul says, I want to remind you of this gospel. I believe that if you're in the Old Testament, man, when we studied Jacob in Genesis, y'all remember that? And every time, every story in Jacob, there was something in it that hinted at the coming of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you're in Habakkuk, which I know you read just last night, 
Habakkuk is going to point to Jesus. If you're in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, when Moses said, A greater prophet than I will rise up. Listen to him. Moses was talking about Jesus. Paul says in the New Testament that when Moses hit that rock and it produced water, that rock was a symbol of Jesus Christ. Everything is driving us to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament reveals, the New Testament fulfills the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Bible is not about good advice. It's not about making us more moral or more better. It's about the good news that God comes into our life. He invades, he incarnates himself into our world and into our life. And he gives us his spirit and his truth to receive. It's a gospel saturated. There are many churches that have good advice, man. We're about the good news. That's where the power comes from. We want our worship to be God-centered. We want our worship to be word-driven. We want our worship to be gospel saturated. Finally, we want our worship to be missional. We want our worship to be missional. You know, there are some churches that are like, you know, when you gather together and worship, you should only be focused on believers. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is for believers. This is for the saints. And the saints are coming together. And we're not worried about lost people. And we're not worried about those who are far from God. We're just, we're just focused on believers being edified. Not worried about more disciples. I'm just worried about better disciples. That's what's said. And I got to tell you, it's really misplaced. Because we have to do our worship in such a way to where if those who are investigating and are far from God, they can come and hear the message and understand it and feel like they're being welcomed to understand it and to believe in the gospel. There are other churches that they're so focused on unchurched, you know, Harry and Sally that they don't care about believers. Like, well, you believers, you already got your fire insurance. You're out of hell. We're just going to focus our worship on unbelievers. So we're only going to talk about the things that are comfortable from the Bible, and we're going to kind of be topical and make it relevant. We're going to be Mr. Relevant Church in the name of saving unchurched people. i got to tell you, it's just really misplaced, isn't it? Crosspoint's vision is that we would be a church for believers and unbelievers, both and, not either or. That our church would, would welcome unbelievers and say, hey, we want you to investigate with us the claim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And we want believers to be edified and to grow in their faith here at this church. There, for me, and there's many passages on this, but the, the critical passage on this very point of public worship being for both believers and unbelievers comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In verses 23 and following, such a great passage. Paul is talking about public worship of Christians and keeping it orderly. Interestingly, he's talking about the whole issue of, of tongues, right? And, and as he's talking about it, he gives a critical principle of what public worship should be about. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23 and following, listen. He says, if therefore the whole church comes together... There's your public corporate worship. There's your church coming together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter. Will they not say you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. 
and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So this is a great passage on public worship because what he's saying is, and what's happening in the Corinthians church, is everybody's using the spiritual gift of tongues in their public gathering like this. And they're just busting out in tongues, right? And everybody's confused by it because when you're, when you're talking with the spiritual gift of tongues, you can't understand what's being said. And so let's say an outsider, an unbeliever comes in and says, you know, I'm going to see what's going on with these Christians because I got invited by Bob down the street here in the city of Corinth. And Bob said, hey, come to, come to my church, and we are Christians, and we believe in Jesus, you can come, and we'll worship. And here comes, you know, Fred, who was invited by Bob, and he sits in, and everybody's talking in a language that nobody can understand, and it seems like chaos. And you know what Fred says? These people are crazy. I can't understand the thing they're saying. And he walks out without knowing God. He just ups and goes. But if you do your public worship services in a way that's understandable, everybody say understandable, then Fred has the chance of understanding the message and falling on his face before God and joining you in worshiping God. Now, we are not the type of church where we're going to start busting out in tongues all the time, but I can tell you there are churches that speak so far above everybody's head that they might as well be speaking in tongues. They're so either in their spirit condescending and just above everybody. And we just, we have it all together here. We're perfect. And Fred's there going, dude, my life is broken. I don't even understand the spirit in which you're doing this. Or we can never talk above. We have to make the message understandable. Now, listen, our goal is not to be comfortable because when God does his best work in our life, we get uncomfortable. Amen. I have never had significant change in my life without God squeezing, without God going, squeeze, and I'm, Holy Spirit, stop, I can't breathe. But I've never grown without the message being understandable. And our goal, even though it's not comfort, it is understandability. That's what it means to be missional. See, we want to take the depth, the riches of this book, and in a gospel-centered way, Show how the riches of it connect to our sinful fallen lives in a way to where believers are growing and are edified and feel well-fed and unbelievers are coming to understand, I didn't know Christianity was that. I didn't know that was what Christianity is. And the Holy Spirit going, it's time to say yes to Jesus. And they say yes. And they join us in worship. Ultimately, I want Crosspoint to be the kind of church where if you know somebody who's not a believer, you begin to feel very excited about inviting them to Crosspoint. It's no longer the church where you're like, I like going there, but man, my unbelieving friend, I don't know. I want our church to be like, man, they're going to understand things there. They're going to get why I love Jesus. They're explaining the Bible in a way that's understandable. That's what it's about. Let us worship together. See, as we worship together, we'll become disciples filled with the ability to make disciples together. And I just have to say in closing, let me just ask you to do this. When you come to worship on Sunday, remember this is not the consolation prize for church. This is the ultimate thing we do. If we have nothing else, let's say, let's say I don't know, everything else is taken from us. We can't do anything. We can't do life groups. We can't do our ministry teams anymore. 
the government takes away all of our canned food. We can't do food pantry anymore. Uh, we can't do, uh, we no longer have, you know, graphics and all that stuff anymore. Maybe we no longer have a building. But you know what? We still have everything we need if we can come together anywhere in Jesus' name and worship him together. Come ready. Come early. Come well slept. Come well fed. Don't be casual about it. Lean in. Take notes. Bring a pen. Bring a Bible. If you don't, bring a phone with a Bible. I don't care. You can open up a laptop. Uh, you can open up an iPad. It doesn't matter, but lean in. When it's time to raise your hands, raise your hands in worship. When it's time to clap, clap. When it's time to laugh, laugh. <laughs> when it's time to cry, we don't cry a lot, but cry. Come ready. Join in. And as you do that, we'll find Jesus leading us together.